Let's, let's pray. God, as we come together again uh, uh, this Sunday, Lord, it just seems like a day has gone by since we were with one another uh, last Sunday. And uh, Lord, how the time just seems to be fleeting. And, uh, but Lord, help us to uh, each day uh, to focus on our wonderful Lord and Savior. And Lord, it's so easy. Uh, uh, and, and I myself am prone to wander and prone to leave the God I love and to, to focus on myself and my hurts and my problems and, and to forget you. Uh, but Lord, it is all about you. Uh, you have died for us. You were raised for our uh, justification. Now forgive us for doubting you. Forgive us for uh, uh, sinning against you in thought, word, and deed every day. Lord, may we be a, a repentant people who uh, uh, turn from our wicked ways. And Lord, you've, uh, you've told us that uh, if your people, which are called by your name, will humble themselves and pray and, and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways, then you will hear from heaven. And so, Lord, work in the hearts of, of your children. Work in our hearts. Bring a great revival in our country as it seems to get more wicked and, and strange uh, uh, every day as we see what's going around us, the things that don't make sense at all. Uh, and so, but Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on, on Jesus uh, as we deal with these things and as we uh, just walk with you every day. Uh, Lord, use us. Uh, may we go out from here, Father. Uh, as, as your witnesses, as your children who uh, proclaim Christ and, and other people might see Christ in us. And Lord, we lift up these needs this morning. And uh, I pray for Andrew as he goes uh, to uh, the youth camp. As he leaves, Lord, uh, watch over him. But Lord, bless him and, and, uh, and use him as he has said this morning that you would just open the hearts up of those uh, kids and, and teenagers that he will talk to, uh, come Holy Spirit and, and just work mightily in their lives and use Andrew as he uh, witnesses to them and uh, Lord we lift up Craig to you as he uh, as, uh, is there in Canada and uh, Lord all these hurdles that he has to get over and give him strength and, and, uh, and wisdom uh, as he deals with these problems. and <coughs> Also, Lord, we, we lift up Steve's family to you, the Kellys. and Lord, we, we <coughs> pray that you'll comfort their hearts during their loss. And Lord, we thank you for Ryan uh, as he continues to uh, recover and as he goes through this chemo. So, Lord, uh, bless him, and, and may his eyes be fixed on, fixed on Christ. And uh, we pray for uh, Charles Butler uh, and, and all that he is dealing with, and, and uh, just physically, and, and uh, uh, needs a place to live, and he's got many needs, Father, and God. So meet those needs, we pray. And uh, for Andrew Tice, and Lord, that uh, just work a miracle, God, 
in, in that situation and for his wife working her heart. Lord, show her her wicked ways. And uh, we pray for the children. And, uh, and God, uh, put your arms of protection around them as they're going through a great stress. For Clarence, Lord, uh, and uh, be with him and the family as, as uh, he goes through this, uh, this time of, uh, uh, with this heart attack. And so, Lord, we, we lift these requests to you in the wonderful name of Jesus. And uh, uh, we just thank you for answering prayer, for hearing our prayer, and, and uh, forgive us for not praying enough as we bring these things to you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Again, I cannot, I probably don't remember everything, so that's why you're praying too. And, uh, and forgive me if I forget uh, something, but uh, this morning in, in Mark chapter 8, as we will continue to uh, move through this wonderful book, this morning, I want to I look at Jesus prophesies clearly about his death and resurrection. We find that in Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, uh, 3. So let's read that. Uh, in verse 31, it says, And again, uh, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must... That's a key word, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. Now, if you would, turn back to Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to read verses 21 through uh, 23. And this deals with the same thing. From that time, Jesus be began to show his disciples that he, again, notice, must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. And uh, may God add his blessing to the reading of this portion of his word. Uh, why did Jesus come into the world? Very simple a question, but kind of a profound, uh, uh, unbelievable answer. And that is, he came to, to die for our sins. Uh, Matthew 1, uh, 21 says, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For what? He shall save his people from their sins. He came into this world for us because of his love uh, for us. And also in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, 
For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He came and died for us to give his life a ransom for us. And he came to die for sinners like us. So just dwell on that wonderful, precious thought that God loves you so much that he died for you. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you, as Paul says in Romans. Uh, He clearly states now for the first time his coming death. It was really uh, veiled somewhat up until this time. And uh, I want to look at Peter's reaction and what is our reaction to this as well. How do we react to uh, statements like this? We see the clear prophecy of Jesus' uh, suffering and death and resurrection. It's found here. He clearly states it. They don't like it. (laughs) And we're going to look how that applies to us because God tells us things in the Word that we don't like. And so we're going to just have a glimpse of that. And we find that this came in the last year of his ministry. In Matthew, it says, from that time on, in verse 21, and from that time Jesus began to show his disciples. And uh, before this, is speaking of his death was veiled to some extent. And we find that in, in different portions of God's word. John 2, 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. They didn't realize he was speaking about his body. They thought it was the temple. And uh, they said, wait a minute now. It took all that time to build it. You're going to uh, uh, you know, and, and be raised up in three days? And uh, they missed the fact that it was speaking of his body. Destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. But it was veiled. John 3, 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be, must be, uh, again, must, we see that, be lifted up. And of course, speaking of his crucifixion. But they didn't, it was veiled. They didn't understand that, uh, what he was talking about. Matthew 9, 15, and Jesus said to them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. Can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away, crucified uh, from them, and they will fast. And so these things were said by Jesus at times, but it kind of went over their head. And just like God's word sometimes just goes right over our head. And we don't let it sink in. We don't let it... uh, uh, Don't ponder it. Don't meditate on it. But he speaks clearly now, very clearly. And uh, he wants to straighten out the disciples' concept of what the Messiah was to do. He was not coming as a conquering king like they thought, but he was coming as a suffering servant, as Isaiah 53 had prophesied. We find the, uh, the place of his death in Matthew 16, uh, in verse 21, it says he must go to Jerusalem. He must go to Jerusalem. He was going to the city of sacrifices. 
where he would be the Passover lamb. Did we not sing about the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? So he, was, he, he must go to Jerusalem to die in the place of sinners. It's interesting, the meaning of Jerusalem. Uh, uh, maybe you've never heard this, and maybe you have. Jerusalem means foundation of peace. Foundation of peace. Who is Jesus? The Prince of Peace. He died in Jerusalem. And he is our peace. Even though what's going on in Jerusalem now, you could not be could be called peace. There's wars and but Jesus died as our Prince of Peace. He's the only one who can bring peace. Now we see the people involved in his death, the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. Uh, these people made up the council of the Jews. Uh, they were the shepherds of Israel, supposedly, uh, and yet they were going to be ones in the front of the line rejecting him as Messiah and Savior. Those who were supposedly the leaders who should have been leading them in the worship of their Messiah because it was plain who he was, uh, plain, and, uh, and yet they rejected him. And sad to say that's going on in the church today. Many churches today, the gospel is not preached. Jesus is not exalted. And the pastors, the shepherds who are supposed to be proclaiming the gospel have forgotten all about what, what church is all about. And it's sad. Uh, so things don't change very much. Notice in, in Mark 8 verse 31, it says, must suffer many things and be rejected. Must. That... Uh, and be rejected. This is a rejection after they had scrutinized him uh, and uh, studying him, they rejected him. And it says he must be killed. It means murdered, suffering a violent death, unjustly convicting him, bringing up false witnesses against him. Why must, 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 must? We, hear, we see this word in, in other places in Scripture. Also here, he must. And I think there are several reasons. I found as many as four, but they kind of overlapped. So uh, we have two reasons, I think. For one thing, this is God's plan for Christ from the beginning of creation. He must be. Because it was ordained that he would be. And Ephesians 1.11 says, also we have an obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. Very strong. Uh, uh, everything has been predestined and uh, that's one of those things we don't like. You know, we don't like that about God because we like to be in charge. And so, uh, but every detail in your life, and it's interesting because Ben and several other people 
in the, uh, uh, around the table, we were discussing that, uh, how God uh, works in us. There are no accidents in your life. Aren't you glad there are no accidents? Now, we call them accidents. If you ride out of here and, and get in a car wreck, you don't go, hot dog, I had an accident. But in God's eyes, that is not an accident. There is a purpose behind what has happened to you. Everything in life has to be that way. Romans 8, 28, never forget that. All things are working together for your what? Good. All things. That means accidents, everything that happens in your life. And when you really experience that in your heart, it's so freeing. It will free you from worry and doubt because you know your God's in control. Your, your salvation was planned before uh, the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him when? Before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will to the praise and glory of his grace all of grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved boy that's a mouthful isn't it but hallelujah for it because uh, we're part of his plan our salvation was planned he must you see he must he must be killed secondly why must he because there is no other way for salvation. Now, if you don't see that, uh, you've got a real problem. And a lot of people, I've even met Christians who would say, that have told me, said, well, you know, people can come to uh, the Father through uh, Muhammad, uh, through Allah, through, in other words, and I'm going, no, 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 no. Christ is the only way. He said that. I am the way, the truth. No man comes to the Father but through me. And uh, it's important that we understand that and that we tell people that. Acts 4.12 And there is salvation in what? No one else. No one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we... Ah, what do we see here? Big word, must. Think about that word, must. There's no other way. There's no other way. God uh, saves. Someone said one time, and he was a good man, and and, uh, he was correcting, he repented of what he said, but he said, if God had wanted to, he could have offered a pig to die in our place. Wrong. You see, that's not God's plan. That is not true. 
some people have said, well, God could have used evolution to create the world. Wrong. The Bible tells us how he did it, you see. And you don't go, oh, well, that's a possibility. No, it was not God's plan. He must. He must. And it's true because he must. It's his plan from all eternity. Now, that's a big God. Have you ever thought about how big your God is? That you sitting there were not going to look any differently than you look right now. Now, some of us may be happy about that. And I'm not looking at anybody. And, but that's God's plan. And so we go, wow, I'm not a mistake. I'm not an accident. I'm here. And I have responsibility. And I am who I am by the grace of God in Christ. Boy, that's freeing. That is so freeing. You're not in control. I know that, whoo, you know, that's one of those things. Like Peter said to Jesus, I don't like that. No, you're not going to die. People don't like to say God's in control. But he is. Would God the Father have put His Son through uh, that if there was any other way possible to save us? Absolutely not. If you could be saved by doing one good thing, He would not have had Christ uh, come and die in your place. He must. He must. Let that really sink in. God is a holy God. His law has been broken and sin must be punished. Christ must die as a substitute in our place. Nothing else will do. Neither is there salvation in any other. Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which what? Can never take away sins. But he having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sent down at the right hand of God, that is Christ, but he, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. You're perfect this morning. And I've used this verse many times. You are perfect. In Christ, He has perfected you for all time. And you'll be that way for all eternity. Now, in this life, we still sin. We still, but, uh, but in Christ, you're perfect. It's amazing. God's just, it's just amazing. The next day in John 1.29, He saw Jesus coming to Him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the only way. See, Jesus is the only way uh, sin can be taken away. Also in Ephesians 1.7, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of His grace. Let those verses just uh, work in you mightily and dwell on that, meditate on that. Some people say, well, you know, I've been a big sinner for 35 years and uh, I'm just going to turn over a new leaf and I'm going to start living a good life and God's going to accept that. One problem, even if you could start after 35 years 
and live a perfect life, you still have 35 years of sin that you have to be that has to be paid for, right? What did Paul say? If you offended in one point, you're what? Guilty of all. So you can be a good person. By the way, if I said, okay, here you have this uh, drunkard in, in the gutter. He doesn't take care of his family. He wastes all of his, his money on uh, riotous living and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then over here you have a good man. He goes to church. He, he works hard for his family, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which one deserves salvation more? Have you ever thought about which one of these men deserve salvation more? Neither one of them. They all deserve what? The wrath of God. See, God's amazing grace. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And good works, my friend, will not get you there. Turning over a new leaf isn't going to make you righteous. All your righteousness is as filthy rags. Christ had to die. Christ must die. Remember all the religions? All religions except for Christianity are works related. Islam, works related. You get there by how good you are and if you make it or whatever. Uh, but Judaism, works related. Mormons, work re works related. Jehovah's Witnesses, works related. They're all works related. And in those systems of belief, there is no salvation. Either Jesus paid for all your sins or you will pay for all your sins. Amen. You understand that? It's just that simple. Either Jesus paid for all of them and now you're perfect in Christ or you will pay for all of your sins forever, eternity. That's serious business, isn't it? Because I've heard people tell me, well, hell, you know, it's, it's just going to be for a short time and uh, there's annihilation. And That's not what the Scriptures teach. It's forever, forever. Just like, uh, let me tell you, let me say, put it this way. If hell is for a short time, annihilation, and so is heaven. Eternal life is eternal life with Christ or eternal life separated from Christ. That's how big a deal this is, people. And you need to be telling your relatives, even if they get angry at you, what's going to happen to them, your friends, if they reject Christ, because neither is there salvation in any other. Either Christ suffered all of God's wrath, or you will suffer all of God's wrath forever. These disciples are so distressed, they missed another must. They missed he must rise. They missed it. They were focusing, Peter was, on his dying. Uh, he was focusing on the fact that Christ would not be there anymore with them. But he failed to see and hear that he's going to rise again. 
you know, a lot of times we can focus on the negative. We can focus on the bad things that we call bad things in our life and we miss the positive that Jesus is risen. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And we focus on the negative. It's interesting, Peter protests this right after his uh, great confession and, and uh, God, uh, Christ's blessing upon him. And we need to be careful because Satan always attacks, usually attacks right after a high point in your life. He does me. Every time it seems like I'm up there, Satan will come and hit me uh, uh, with a low blow. This happened to Jesus after his baptism, uh, the temptation of Christ. This happened uh, to, to Joshua after the walls of Jericho fell. They were defeated at, at Ai. This happened to Elijah uh, with the Baal prophets, defeat and uh, destruction of that. And, and then he runs from one woman, Jezebel, and goes into depression Satan can come after you after, a, after the death of a vision that you had of something in your life that you were counting on. That you couldn't be happy unless it was just like your vision. Peter, Peter did not like what Jesus told him. No, no, never, Lord. Because if, if it's any other way than my way, I'm not going to be happy. Think about it. Things that happen in your life. They may not be your plan, but you have to trust they're God's plan. All things are working together for what? You're good. You either believe that or you don't. Now, I have to admit, in my life, sometimes I struggle believing that. Because things can happen to you that are so bad, that are so awful. You'll say, how can God be in the midst of this? And then you start asking questions. God didn't give us that house we wanted. Uh, that great leader that I was practically worshiping fell from grace. A child dies, or not having children, a job, what is it in your life? There's something, I guarantee you, there's something that Satan is using to beat you up. It's different in everybody's life, but it's still the same thing. Satan will beat you up. He does he does it to me. Sometimes I just go, whoa, I'm overwhelmed. Amen. I'm overwhelmed, God. And so Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. And he, the idea in the Greek here is he keeps repeating it. Never, Lord, never. That's in verse 22 of, of uh, Matthew 16. What is wrong with never, Lord? What is wrong with saying never, Lord? It's a contradictory statement. For one thing, he is your Lord, 
And so you're his servant. You follow him. So you're to accept everything the Lord wants for you. And then to say never Lord is a contradictory statement. We should say yes Lord. Yes Lord. Do you say no Lord to what he sends into your life? Why me, Lord? Why did you allow this to happen to me, Lord? Don't you love me, Lord? I know what's best for me, Lord. Peter to Jesus. Jesus, I know what is best for you. You're never, no, no, no. Forget it, you're not dying. No. Think about that in your own life. It's interesting how we fight things uh, in our lives. We also fight things concerning who God is. I did this for many years with God's sovereignty, with his absolute sovereignty. I fought that. I wanted to be in control. And yet his word told me he's sovereign. He actually chooses people. I didn't like that. No, God can't be that way. If God is that way, I can't love him. I said that as a Christian. I said that until God broke my heart and showed me, no, he's in control. Get used to it. But all things are working together for good to those that love him, you see. You say no, Lord, to what he asked you to do. Or do you say, I know what God's word says, but my case is different. Why was Jesus so harsh with Peter? And this is really my last point. Why was Jesus so harsh with Peter? And he said, get behind me, Satan. Because... Peter was cutting out the heart of the gospel that the cross is central. When you stand before God one day and and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? What will you say? And I hope your answer will be because Jesus died for me. That's your answer. Jesus died for me and he was raised for my justification. But you say, Peter was saying, no, Lord, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. It's amazing how uh, uh, Peter was tempting Jesus here. And that's why he said, get behind me, Satan. It's amazing Christian, uh, all of us can tempt others to do wrong. We can throw uh, cold water on people who are trying to minister in Jesus' name. I've been guilty of that. I've known parents whose children wanted to go to the mission field and said, no, 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 you can't do that, and kept them from going, and the child turned out to, uh, in a terrible state. 
Jesus says, you're a stumbling block to me, Peter. You're setting a trap for me. It's interesting. From Peter, a rock, to a stumbling stone. Interesting, isn't it? If you go out into this world and you preach the gospel and you preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and the Gentiles foolishness. But that's the message. That's the message of Christianity. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sometimes I've, I've started talking to people about the blood of Jesus and they almost want to run away because there's power in the blood. There's power in the blood of Christ. And you start talking about the blood of Christ and see what happens. I did one time to a man on the street. I held up uh, a track to him and had the cross and uh, Jesus died for our sins. And I said, the blood of Christ will cleanse you from all your sins. And he screams, bloody murder. The guy was demon-possessed. I have no... I, I was so weak, I couldn't walk. The way he screamed. It was, you could tell he had a demon in him. And he ran down the street as fast as he could go. But my friends, that's the answer to all of our problems. We need to daily come to the cross... We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. That's the road to victory. The victory in the Christian life is the cross. To those that don't know Christ, it's foolishness. It's a stumbling block. But for us, you read on, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. And we need to to understand that. Let's pray. Father, this morning, uh, Lord, help us and give us strength to trust you. Give us strength, O Lord, to follow you as we will see next week uh, what being a disciple is, uh, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following you. Help us, Lord, not to be a stumbling block to other believers. But, Lord, help us to accept you for who you are. I would pray right now, Lord, if if there is someone here who is harboring in their heart of hearts something against you. Lord, maybe, maybe it's something that has made them angry at you. It might be uh, something that happened to them or hasn't happened to them. Lord, only you can bring peace. You know, I just, I just ask, is there anyone here this morning who would confess, you know, I've been harboring something and I, I want victory over that. I want, I want God to really work in me and give me the peace that passes all understanding. Is there anyone here this morning who will raise your hand and say, you know what? God has spoken to me today. God has spoken to me. 
And I need to repent. I need to repent and confess to God that sin and turn to the cross and turn to the cross. Do that in your heart of hearts this morning. Examine yourself. I've had to do that. And I have to do that on a daily basis. Are you trusting God for who He is? Even if it's something in the Scripture you don't like about Him? Cast all your care upon Him for He cares for you. Give us grace, God, to do that. And bless us, Lord, as we go out from here. Work in us by Your power and Your might. By the power of Your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.